Have you ever stopped to think how much Jesus has done for us? Have you thanked him recently? Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we'll be looking at some of what Jesus has done for us, and we hope that each week our heart is stirred with so much gratitude and we find ourselves thanking Jesus for all he's done. This gratitude will lead us to living the best life he wants for us. We hope you will join us in saying, Jesus, thank you, and enjoy the series. Morning, or is it evening, or afternoon? I don't know. I, uh, some of you know, I just got back from being in Cambodia for a couple of weeks. And so um, they're 15 hours ahead. So I'm, I don't know where I am at in this moment. But uh, hey, can we, before we get started, can we give it up for the ushers of our church? I'm just so grateful for them. You guys, um, you know, just... I've said this before, but I'll pull onto the campus around eight and they're blowing leaves and washing windows and setting up the tables and, and bringing the pulpit over here. You know, I mean, just so grateful for our guys and serving that way. And I don't ever want to take that for granted. So thank you guys. Um, today we start a brand new series. Oh, and hi to those of you online. Uh, maybe we even have some Cambodians today. So, um, but uh, I um, just am grateful for this series. And you guys know, I say this, two times a year, I'll go lock myself in a hotel room, a stack of books, and just literally at God's mercy say, what do you want me to talk on for the next six months? And every time I feel so inadequate, so like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But I, I, I know, I remember, I was sitting in the hotel, and it's like, man, it's going to be around Easter time. What's the series you want, Lord? And I just kept thinking... Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Because I was thinking about the cross and the resurrection. And so I just, that's how this came about. It's like, we're going to spend the next four weeks. So this series is going to take us to Easter. Can you believe that Easter's right around the corner, you know? And, but Jesus, thank you. So can, can we say those three words? Ready? Jesus, thank you. Let's say it again. Jesus, thank you. Now, some of you are like, why did I just say that? Like, I don't even know what those words mean. And, and, and I want to say something that's exciting, and I could say this because there's not just one person. I met multiple people in between services that are in our service today that this is their first time in the history of their life that they've ever sat in a church. Amen. Amen. So I, I just say welcome home. And, and honestly, that would be like really scary for me. And then to see this weirdo up on the stage, it probably makes you feel normal. No. Um, but uh, so we're just going to talk. And, and so this Jesus, thank you, that might mean a lot to some of us. And to some of us, we don't even know what that means. And so we're going to go on this journey. But, um, you know, I was thinking this morning as I was looking over my message, I was like, like, what, what am I thankful for? And I don't know, you maybe have this in your own life where you're like, I don't want to be thankful or I don't have anything to be thankful for. But if you force yourself for a moment to go, wait a second. And so I did. So, so what, what I didn't know, I'm one, I'm one of these weirdos. Amen? Yeah, that's right. I always say this, you come here because it makes you feel better. If you're like, that guy's a pastor, then all right. But I, um, I'm kind of one of those, you know, on these missions uh, trips, I don't, I don't do a bunch of research, and, and I don't know exactly what I'm going to eat and where I'm going to stay. I, I just don't. Some of your personalities, that would not work with. And so um, I had no idea 
it was going to be a 36-hour journey from my doorstep to the village. And I mean, I've, I've been on a lot of trips, nothing like that. Uh, 15 hours to Taiwan, and then uh, eight hours in the airport there, and then uh, four hours to uh, Thailand, and then a couple hours there, and then fly to, uh, flew to Samrit, Cambodia, and then to top it off, a three-hour drive, you know? I was like, ah. Um, let me just say this. Um, I've, I've experienced a lot of different countries. I've never experienced transportation like I did. <laughs> um, you saw me on the tuk-tuk. <laughs> that was fun. But not really. Uh, because tuk-tuks and mopeds, they call them motos. And, and they start at like, what age? And they're like, well, when they can start walking, you know, they get one of these, you know. The city, I was in um, Battenbong outside of the, the main city. And um, when we would go into the city, it was organized chaos. There's not a stoplight or a stop sign. And it's, everyone goes. And I never saw an accident. I don't know how it all happens. So why am I, what am I thankful for this morning? I'm just thankful I'm alive. <laughs> um, I'm thankful that, uh, yeah, I'm alive. Um, I'm thankful because that first flight is 15 hours. And when I got to my seat and I sat down, I went, Jesus, thank you. Because there was this much space between my knees and the seat in front of me. Usually it's my knees and the seat like this. And there was a pair of slippers. Oh! I thank Jesus because um, I don't share a whole lot, but literally two Sundays ago I was preaching. I preached the sermons, went out to lunch with family, and then I went straight to Kaiser because I, I was not feeling good. I wasn't feeling good at all on all kinds of different levels. And um, so I was really struggling with, do I get on this plane? Uh, I didn't tell anyone that until first service, but that was my heart. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But I thank you, Jesus, because um, he removed a lot of the pain that I was experiencing. It's, all I could say is your prayers. All I could say is your prayers. Um, I could say a lot of what I'm thankful for, but lastly, I'm thankful I got to know the Cambodian people. I didn't know anything about Cambodia. And uh, one of the things when I was there, I found out, not because of them, but in my research, um, Cambodia is uh, rated the friendliest country in the world. And um, I got to experience that at so, lo- so many levels. Here's my question. What are you thankful for? What are you thanking Jesus for this morning? We're going to start this series. And today, we're going to thank God for our room. I hope that whets your appetite. What does that mean? Father, thank you. Thank you for getting us here today. Thank you for blessing us in ways that we didn't imagine. Thank you for all those that are here, that have been here for many, many years. And thank you for those that are entering into this place for the first time, whether online or in this room. God, um, you just do some amazing things that are so beyond us. And we would ask that you continue to do amazing here this morning. Um, Please help me. um, Give me strength. Give me the, the... clarity of mind to communicate your words this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we're going to jump right into the Bible. Uh, We're going to look at John chapter 14. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, 
um, we, we introduced the theme, Anchored, is our theme this year, Anchored to Jesus. And so this series really is anchored to, to gratitude. If there was an underlying theme, we want to be anchored to gratitude. And the beginning of the year, we kind of went through the first six chapters of John. Do you guys remember that? And so we're actually going to go John 14 through 21 in this series. So gosh, maybe we'll finish the whole book of John this year uh, and come the fall. So we're going to look at John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 1. John 14, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may know or may be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Now, I understand that we just kind of dropped these verses into your lap, but let me give you context of why Jesus is sharing what he's sharing. All right? Is that fair? Well, I guess it is because I'm the one with the mic right now. But um, I think it's really important for us to, to, to listen to what Jesus says and, and why he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. If you go to John chapter 3, the, the chapter right before it, John is, uh, or Jesus is sitting down and, and he's, having, he's having a meal with his disciples. And if you don't know uh, the disciples, that's, that's 12 men that he picked that he was going to pour his life into, that he's going to teach. And he's been pouring his life into them for almost about three years now, okay? And so things are going to heat up. Everything that he's predicting is really kind of coming to uh, a closure here, and it's going to become reality. And so in that culture, when you visited someone's house, oftentimes the servant would um, welcome you and wash your feet. Now, again, think about this. In the day, they're wearing rainbow flip-flops. I don't know if they're rainbows, but they're flip-flops, right? And, and you can imagine the cake, dirt, <laughs> grime all on these feet. So you entered into someone's home, a servant would wash your feet. And if not the servant, then at least the person that was hosting you would, would wash your feet. Well, they're sitting ready to have a meal. Nobody's washed anyone's feet. And we don't know what the Bible says, but maybe Jesus is sitting there going, man, Peter, your feet stink. Thomas, when's the last time you've washed those things? You know, uh, just think about a junior high locker room. That's all I have to say. Okay. And so I, I don't know. Or maybe, maybe, which is probably more of the point. Jesus is going to make a point here. So Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, where the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus who has all authority in what? Heaven and on earth. He gets up. And he washes their feet. He takes the dirtiest part of their bodies into his hand and he washes their feet. And in the midst of it, he says, one of you guys, one of you guys that I've been pouring all this time into, you're going to betray me. You're going to turn your back on me. And you can imagine, Thomas is like kind of looking, doing one of these, you know, he doesn't want to, it's not me. Is it, is it Jesus? Is it Matthew? Is it John? Who, you know, they're all kind of, who, who's the one? It's not me, Right. And then after that whole meal, Jesus takes Peter aside, one of the disciples, and says, Peter, by the way, uh, I wasn't talking about you, but you too are going to deny me. Peter's like, there's no way in heck I'm going to deny you. Oh, yeah? Not only once, not only twice, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no way. Well, we read the book, and if Jesus says something, it happens. 
And we find out later that Peter denies Christ how many times? He denies him three times. And so this is the context. Like the disciples' hearts are troubled. Like this death thing that Jesus is talking about, this thing about I've been preparing you because I'm going to leave you, like it's knocking on the door. It, it might, it's going to happen sooner than later. So their hearts are filled with anxiety. Their hearts are filled with trouble. They don't know what's up and what's down and what's going to happen. Have you ever had your world rocked? Is your, rock, your world being rocked at this very moment where you don't even know what's going to happen? You have a relationship that's turned on you and you have no idea where that came from. You have bills that are stacking up that don't match your bank account and you're wondering how you're going to get out of this. I was just talking to someone, I guess this all happened when I was gone about uh, one of the major banks going like this and he was sharing about some other banks are going to follow that and his concern about what's going to happen and yada, yada, yada. Those are things that are troubling people's hearts. Politics might be troubling your heart. You, you, you may be dealing with an addiction that is troubling your heart. You may be dealing with a fear. You may be dealing with a loss. You may be dealing with health. And whatever it is, I know in a room with this many people and that many people watching us online that a troubled heart is realistic. Isn't it, church? And I want to let you know that you're not alone. You're not the only one that is struggling. You're not the only one that may have a troubled heart. I'd say welcome to a room filled with people that have troubled hearts. And let me be vulnerable. I shared with you just two weeks ago, even as I was preaching, it was still in my heart and mind, do I get on that plane? There are probably many Sundays where I'm preaching where I have a troubled heart. I hope that doesn't make me bad. It just makes me real. Amen? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I'm going to have three points to the message today. The first one is we can have peace. We can have peace because Jesus himself says, do not, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you have every reason to have a troubled heart. Like the world, all the world has to offer is band-aids. Alcohol is a band-aid. Drugs are a band-aid. Relationships are a band-aid. Wealth is a band-aid. I could just finish the list and go on and on and on. The world has a lot of this stuff to offer. It's only a band-aid for the pain and the troubled heart that we have. And Jesus says, I've got something better. Do you want something better, church? I know I do. So why? Why, Jesus? Can you say this? Why can you say, turn to me? Well, <laughs> he's going to tell him. But I want you to look at John chapter 14, 27. We're not going to get there today, so I want to make sure you read this. Later on in this discussion, Jesus is going to say, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I what, church? Does he say I sell it to you? Does he say you have to earn it? Does he say it's only for a select few? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. We just shared all kinds of ways the world offers peace. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled 
and do not be afraid. Can we share that last line together? Ready? Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's say it again. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's a promise for you. But you don't know me, pastor. You don't know my list of evil. You don't know the list of bad things I've done. You don't know that. Well, you don't know mine either. Again, welcome to a room of messy people. And that's okay, because Jesus doesn't give us peace based on how good we are. Or how much we give. That's called grace, amen? Paul put it this way, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, the peace that Jesus has to offer is better than anything the world has to offer. And some of us have not even known that option. We didn't know it was there, and I now you do. Jesus is there. He's there for you. It doesn't matter how short you are, or how tall you are, how poor you are, how rich you are. It doesn't matter. His peace is for everybody, and everybody could afford it because he paid for it on the cross. That's good stuff. His peace is better. See, Paul's saying, don't be anxious about anything. Why can he say that? I mean, the Bible says that he was chased by bandits. He was shipwrecked. He'd gone hungry. He had been beaten. He'd been flogged. He'd been imprisoned. He'd have all these things. And he's in prison while he's writing this, awaiting whether he was going to die by execution or be able to live. And he's writing this saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because he's the answer. You want peace? You don't have to search any longer. Jesus wants to guard my heart and your heart and our minds with his peace. Amen, church? Jesus promises us peace in the midst of troubles. You know the the Jewish word for peace is shalom. Can we say shalom? Shalom? Without spitting all over the person in front of you? Shalom? Sorry, Doug, I just hit you, I think. You remember Gallagher, the comedian? Sorry. That's why they always had the, the plastic sheets in the front row. We may need to start handing them out here. Shalom, it, 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 it's what was, uh, Jews usually greet each other with that, shalom. The, the word shalom does not mean, check this out, it does not mean the absence of troubles or worries. It is peace internally while externally troubles exist. Did you catch that? So, you, so don't hear this, oh, pastor said give my life to Jesus and all of a sudden all my bills are going to be paid and my relationships are going to be perfect and I'm going to have peace in my heart that, that I can sing kumbaya at night and I chirp with the birds and everything's wonderful. No! That's the TV preachers and that's a bunch of baloney. Sorry, I just said that. But God's peace says you have the external stuff going on. And in the midst of all that, you can still have internal peace. And that doesn't make sense. That's why the Bible says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that God has to offer us doesn't make sense. That's why you might be dealing with relational things. You might be dealing with health things. You might be dealing with addiction, all that. And then people look and you go, why are you so calm? Huh? It's Jesus. Because Jesus' peace doesn't make sense to the world. Are you with me, church? 
I want peace that guards my heart and guards my mind. I want this peace for my life. How about you? What I've learned is it only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, how do you have a relationship with someone that you can't see, taste, smell? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Jesus desires a relationship. And we do that through reading the Bible, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because we learn about his life there. And we do that through talking with him. Well, how do you talk with him? You have to get a special SIM card? <laughs> you have to get a special you know, phone plan? No. You have to have a priest? No. You have to have a No. No, no. You could talk to him whenever, however you want. Some of our friends out there at other churches say, no, you need this person, and you need this position, and you need these words. No, you don't need a pers- person, position, or special words. You just come as you are. And if you want to help, you can start with dear God or dear, dear Jesus, you know. But talk to him as you would talk to anybody. You're ticked off at him? Tell him. You're happy with them? Tell them. You have questions? Tell them. You have something you're grateful for? Tell them. Amen? This is how we do a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing special to it, and everybody can do it. Even when I'm in the midst of doing bad things, yes, that's really a good time. All God's people said? Am I making it too simple? I mean, that's what the book says, right? I... um, (laughs) I, I could talk hours on this, and, and um, it's kind of one of those things where you have to be there. You have to see it, smell it, taste it. But I want to introduce you to a lady that I met. Her name's M. Chen, and uh, you can find her all over the internet. Um, contagious smile, huh? Uh, she probably stands four foot four, four foot five, maybe 75 pounds. I'm at breakfast one morning, and uh, Pastor Chris, uh, who's the one that I, ended, I went to Bible college with way back in the day, didn't know him very well, but got reconnected with him and Pastor Ken Lamont out in Newberry Park. And uh, that's how I ended up in Cambodia training. Uh, it was, ended up being about 150 liters and, um, for four days. And at breakfast, we would sit with eight different leaders, sometimes six and um, through an interpreter, I'd ask questions. And this lady, her smile was, when I spoke, she was always smiling. And it was just, it was always easy to look over at M. Chen. And so at breakfast, I said, tell me your story. And through a translator, I learned that this little woman was uh, on trial by the UN for overseeing the killing of over 500,000 people. Um, that's no light um, accusation. Amen, church? Um, is the Khem Rouge, Khem Rouge, didn't know much about it. Uh, I know a lot. I still have a lot to learn. Uh, they were backed by uh, Viet Cong and the Communist China. Uh, they were people in Cambodia. And I'm making this real quick and short, but um, Cambodia had their own civil war. And about 25% of the country lost their lives during this time. And um, I'm sitting at a table with three people that were high officials in the Khmer Rouge. 
with three people that were on the opposite. So it'd be like, and I don't make light of this, but it'd be like Dodger fans and Giant fans sitting at the same table, but at times 100 level. I mean, the hatred. So my buddy, his whole family was killed by the Camaroos. And he almost, he's the only person in his entire family that survived it as a young teenager. Ends up coming out here, going to Bible college, has a church in LA, but would always fly back to um, Cambodia. He's planted over 100 churches out there. Has built basically what I'm going to call a Bible college, but it's really, really small in, in the middle of the jungle. I think it's called Hope for Cambodia. Anyways, back to her. So, asked a lot of questions, as you can imagine, and through interpretation, you know, um, it wasn't her personally that killed him, but under her um, leadership, as she was second in command to the big dog. And, um, just had all kinds of pain in her life. Uh, Buddhism is probably the primary religion out there in Cambodia, and that was what she practiced. Uh, I learned a lot of Cambodians wear what they call a spiritual belt. It's underneath their garments, or they wear a spiritual bracelet. It's fascinating. Why do they do that? Because it wards off all evil. And um, so Christopher, Pastor Christopher, ends up, you know, obviously years and years later, he's um, in contact with her. Somehow he gets into her home with a group of people. She wants him out of there because she thinks he's part of the media and all of Cambodia knows her. And um, he's like, no. So they kind of start building a small relationship. Remember how you guys donated all those um, pain pills? I brought a a suitcase full, 50 plus pounds. And then the other guy, so we brought three, (laughs) drug cartel right here. We brought three (laughs) bags of... um, (laughs) Uh, painkillers and vitamins and stuff. Well, people had done that a long time before. And so when he was meeting with her, she had some pain. He, he gave her a couple of pills. He said, these are not from me. They're from Jesus. Well, her pain was gone. Next time he saw her, she was struggling to see. He gave her a pair of glasses, 99 cent readers is what he called them. And she could see and she started to cry. So she's telling me this. And so she started to build this relationship and she was watching his life and she said there's something different about him. One day he decided I'm gonna share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with her. She gave her life to Jesus. He was able to baptize her. She cut off that spiritual belt and that's her face now. That's her face. I, have, I probably have 10 pictures of her, and it's because her, her, her smile is bigger than her face every time. And she, they don't touch a whole lot, but she'd always come and go, Pastor, you know. And why I share that story. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus offers a peace that surpasses all understanding. How Chris had the ability to lead her to Jesus. Think about, think this through. She possibly could have been responsible for killing his whole family. And all the suffering that he went through in a refugee camp, and we're all sitting at this table. The guy next to her, I said, Chris, what's his name? Oh, we call him the assassin. Oh, should I not be friends with him? He's got tattoo right across his head. I'll share a picture maybe sometime down the road. Again, all these people. 
a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus wants to give you that peace in your life. Amen? The peace that Jesus offers is a game changer. Isaiah 9, 6 is a prediction of who Jesus is going to be. And it says he's going to be a wonderful counselor, almighty God. Right? Almighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, and then what? Prince of peace. Hmm. Well, it gets better. John chapter 14, verse two, my father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you where I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. I always joke, that was long before Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Jesus said, I'll be back long before. And he's gonna take you to be with him that you also may be where I am. You know the way where I'm going. And so if you're taking notes, write this down, my own room. Why can you be thankful today? Because you get your own room. You may never have had your own room your whole life and you're bitter about it, (laughs) but you get your own room. And you're like, what? Well, I wanna say it this way. This means we have something to look forward to. You know, part of what Jesus is saying, do not let your hearts be troubled to all of his disciples who are anxious and struggling with the news and information of what is about to happen. He's like, guys, yeah, it might get even harder. But I want to tell you, you have something to look forward to. I'm going up to heaven and I'm building you a room. And all of you are going to have your own rooms. And then you fast forward 2,000 years and the same is true for us today. Jesus is up there preparing a room for you, just for you, unique for you, what you need. And that's up in heaven. And I think that's something to be thankful for, amen? Some of us have no clue of that and that's why you're here today. You need to know that Jesus loves you enough that not only did he die on the cross so your sins can be forgiven, you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you can have the promise of eternal life in heaven and he's building a room for you as we speak. I, ex- I, I, have, I have things that I look forward to, how about you? I look forward to playing with my older son, golf. If Drew and I have a golf date, man, I look forward to it. Like I'm counting the hours when I get to go play golf with my older boy. I look forward to this week, um, baseball starts, the official season for my son, his first high school uh, baseball games. I'm looking forward to sitting in the stands and watching my boy. I'm looking forward to vacation. Do any of you ever look forward to vacation? I'm looking forward to the Dodgers winning the World Series in 2023. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it. And lately, I'm really looking forward to sleep. Whenever I can get that two and three hours, I'm grabbing it. But I want to tell you, there's something that we can look forward to greater than anything I've just mentioned, and that's to heaven. That's to heaven. You know, um, I've been all over the world, like I shared. I've slept in all kinds of situations, uh, restrooms, all kinds of situations, food. Um, Honestly, uh, I knew I was going into the jungle, and I thought, kind of like Samoa, you know, I'm going to be a mosquito's mess. I'm going to be sleeping in a folly on the ground, and whatever it is, you know, whatever. But end up at this institute and I'm watching everyone they're bathing outside and they're pouring buckets of water and all that kind of stuff and then they show me my room oh my gosh now if I walked into it here I'd be highly disappointed to be honest (laughs) but there I was like are you kidding me I had my own little room it had a ceiling fan it had a little air conditioning unit it had its own toilet in its own little shower head. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. I, and then they had a box of water. I was like, this is unbelievable. It was more than I could ever have imagined. 
Church, why do I share that? Whatever you think heaven is, the guy dies and he's got all these bags and St. Peter's like, what? why do you have all these bags? Oh, this is all my you know, gold bars because I worked so hard for it. And St. Peter, you know, he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, let me see what you got in there. And he opens it up and he goes, oh, why do you have asphalt? Streets of gold. And, and, and Paul said that, or, or, or John said that because he got a glimpse into heaven. That was the best thing that he could ever describe. Like, it's going to be far better than what we expect. Like, I expected this going to be my room when I got to Cambodia. Pfft, blew me away. If that blew me away, I can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. But let me give you a quick glimpse. If you read Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her, her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself, God himself will be them and be their God. God is going to, we're going to be in the presence of God in heaven. And then it says, He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more pain. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is just a small sampling of what our room is going to look like for eternity up in heaven. Does that not get your heart going? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me, Jesus says. There's going to be no more criticism, no more divorce, no more heartache, no more depression, no more jails, no more anxiety, no more loneliness, no more singleness, no more being overwhelmed, no more, no more being disappointed, no more sadness, no more bitterness, no more jealousy, no more rage. It's the place of no mores. But here's the reality. I could say, here's a million dollars. I got a million dollars for you. But unless you walk up those stairs and accept it, there's no benefit to me saying, here's a million dollars. Better than that, I'm saying here, Jesus is saying, here I am. I've died on the cross for you. Forgiveness of sins, gift of the Holy Spirit. Heaven, a room for your, yourself. But you gotta check in. You gotta go to the counter and say, um, my name is Rob Denton. Now you don't say that. And uh, I'm here. How long's your stay, Mr. Den? Eternity. We've been waiting for you. Let me have one of the angels show you to your room. Have you said yes to Jesus? You see, Jesus, thank you. Why? Because we can have peace. Why? Because we could have our own room. And lastly, a relationship with him. The way I put this is one way. Thomas heard all this and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. My friends, I say this in love, not because I made up the rules, but Jesus. There is no other way to your room in eternity in heaven than through Jesus Christ. Universalism is a bunch of baloney. Universalism says all roads lead to God. Nope. 
We have all kinds of people saying all kinds of things that say, sound very tolerant, but I as a pastor can't change the rules. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Father, thank you. Thank you for the promise of peace. Thank you for the promise of not having to have a troubled heart. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the room that you're preparing for each of us. I pray, God, for that person in here that has not said yes to you, that they'll go to the Welcome Center or go to myself and say, I want to know about this Jesus. And for the rest of us, may this bring hope to us, even in the midst of the trouble, that we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.